0: Hi, I'm Janelle, and uh, it has been almost a year to the day, actually probably a year and a week, um, that I have been uh, here speaking to you at Reality Church Boston, and it's such an honor to be here. Uh, And um, I'm just going to start by uh, reciting our scripture verse for today, where we're going to be for a bit And so, if you have your handout or your app or your Bibles, would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 124? We are in the Psalms of Ascent, one of 15 Psalms that is a pilgrim song. And Psalm 124 says this If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side, when people attacked us they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us the flood would have engulfed us the torrent would have swept over us the raging waters would have swept us away praise be to the lord who has not let this be to- who has not let us be torn by their teeth we have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare the snare has been broken and we have escaped Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the peace that abides in this room that only comes through the presence of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your word that is life and truth. And Lord, more than ever, God, we need light. We need truth. And we need flavor. Lord, may in these next couple minutes, your Holy Spirit be at work in our hearts, in places where um, we might not be aware of, and in places, Lord, that we are all too aware of. Abide in us, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, So, uh, hello. So I was here for about two years, helping out a little bit with transition. We were going through a lead pastor transition. Uh, But my day job is that I am a chaplain at Harvard University, just down the road from here. Uh, And... Every Tuesday and Thursday, I kind of hold office hours. And what that means is that I hang out in a coffee shop and um, have coffee with students. Uh, That's my office. You can find me anywhere around Harvard Square, uh, either at Flower or Tate. And um, during this particular, I believe it was a Thursday morning, I get there really early in the morning. And I had just met with a student from Harvard Kennedy School. And we had just been talking about really deep spiritual things. Actually, no. We were talking (laughs) about uh, actually summer and uh, what was coming up. And I was leaving this, uh, as I left the student and I was coming back to my car, um, I am also notorious for parking tickets. So the city of Cambridge um, really loves it when I do hold office hours because so many times I forget that my two hours have expired and um, I end up paying... $30 to park, um, which happens more often than not. So on this particular day, I was very excited because I was on time. I was very aware. And I get to my car, and uh, I am on a one-way street, and I am about ready to leave. And this big truck is also maneuvering out and maneuvers out right in front of me and just stops. So he's like half in a parking space, half in the middle of this one-way street that is, you know as Cambridge and Boston streets are, not very large. And so I sit there. And 30 seconds prior, there's nothing there. I mean, I just walked into my car and just started it. And so within 30 seconds, I'm thinking, what is going on? Uh, And so I've been in in Boston for about five years now. And I have become enculturated to do what Bostonians usually do when they have to wait. Um, I go crazy. And um, this pious person, actually I'm not very, but I start honking my horn incessantly like, let's go buddy, like I'm gonna get a ticket because we're not moving. And I had already been sitting here, I would love to say for at least 90 seconds, probably more like 15. Anyway, I just lose it. And um, I'm just like, what is happening? I'm like going like this with my hands, like let's go, moving along, honking my horn and the truck isn't moving. And so I am so I just sit there for a, probably another 90 seconds and then finally this truck moves. And upon this truck moving, I see and I'm I'm not exaggerating, probably like an 80 90 year old woman crossing the street out of nowhere with a cane. And immediately like I am garbage, okay? <laughs> just, the, you know, this guy, like, you know, goes and rushes on as soon as she crosses the street. She's staring at me like, are you a monster? And I'm like, of course I'm a monster. Like, yes, I'm so sorry. And uh, I proceed to drive away, like, feeling like I have a fever because my face is the sight, you know, it's just beet red. Uh and as I got introduced to the Songs of Ascent from Austin and Rashad, uh, and they said, hey, you're, you're on for Psalm 124, and I began to study um, what a pilgrim's song is, an actual pilgrimage, it was so reminiscent to me on how I, on how I walk with Jesus or attempt to be a pilgrim, uh, because I am a mess, <laughs> And I would love to tell you that um, I'm a peaceful person and I love contemplative space and I love the quiet. No, like that makes me crazy. And I find that pilgrimage usually draws me into spaces and places that are frustrating, where there are big boulders that I can't see around. And I am called to walk, only to wait. Anybody familiar with that? Something very interesting about the Psalms of Ascent, I'm not gonna, I've listened to Austin and Rashad and and Rob kind of frame, you know, some of these songs, but I'm just gonna give a quick little review. Uh, There are 15 psalms, okay? And the children of Israel would sing these psalms on their way to Jerusalem, where they would pilgrim for one of three festivals, either the festival of the Passover festival, the festival of weeks, or the festival of the tabernacle. And you know, Rob so perfectly framed that within these 15 psalms, each uh, five verses kind of hit three different themes. So our first theme that I'm going to kind of capsule today is this theme of trouble. Like, this is, you know, we're remembering what God does when we're in big trouble. Um, And next week, you're going to be introduced to uh, trust. And the next five chapters after that kind of hone in on trusting the Lord. And finally, triumph. Like, our God um, is victorious. Uh, But I get the fun. We get the fun. We get to journey together and to pilgrimage through our last chapter Covering trouble. The thing that keeps coming up, that has kept coming up as I've been pondering and reading this verse over, this chapter over and over again, is how clumsy I am as a pilgrim. What's really interesting is that when we read scripture, the Lord is always inviting his people to walk with him not to run with him, not to sprint with him, not to fly with him, but to walk. And nothing around me, especially living in the city that I do, points to walking. If you're not briskfully walking down the street, people will literally, like, like you're in a car, cut you off and walk in front of you. Um, if you're driving slow and you're not driving according to what Bostonians think you should be driving, you will get honked at, you will get yelled at, you will get spoken to very beautifully. Um, But I'm reminded in 2 Corinthians 5-7, it says this, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Micah 6-8 says this, He has told you, oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord walks, and when he says, follow me, he is asking us to walk with him. Pilgrimage also does this. It opens my eyes to see a bigger picture because I am walking sometimes frustratingly so, I am able to see things from a viewpoint that being in a hurried rush keeps me from doing. One thing that I really felt that the Lord was calling us to do today, especially within this, within this chapter, is to yield. So I'm going to read this chapter again from the message. And I want you to close your eyes um, as I read, and let's yield. Psalm 124 says this, If God hadn't been for us, all together now, Israel single out. If God hadn't been for us, when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger. Swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in torrent, we would have lost our lives in the wild, raging water. Oh, blessed be God. He didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. We've flown free from their fangs, free of their traps, free as a bird. Their grip is broken. We're free as a bird in flight. God's strong name is our help, the same God who made heaven and earth. What this chapter is underscoring is that in the magnification of trouble, of violence, of anger, of betrayal, of abandonment, of being a captive, there God can be found. But, friends, we are not equipped to sit in that. Our world does a really good job and provides many means for us to ignore, to deny, and to silence some of life's worst fears that has just been underscored in this chapter. Eugene Peterson says this, Psalm 124 is an instance of a person who digs deeply into the trouble and finds there the presence of God who is on our side. I'm going to say this again. Psalm 124 is an instance of a person who digs deeply into the trouble and finds there the presence of God who is on our side. What if this psalm is inviting us to journey into the deepest fears of our heart. What if this psalm is inviting us to be a pilgrim in places and spaces where we've done a lot of hard work to pretend don't exist. We numb ourselves to the violence that happens day in and day out all around the world. We medicate our anger at things that we cannot control. We excuse the abandonment that we fear might happen if we just allow one person in, even the presence of God. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 11. When Rashawn asked me to speak, um, I was hoping that he was going to give me free reign to talk about whatever I wanted to. <laughs> that wasn't the case. But uh, the Lord had put this, um, this chapter on my heart. Um, when Rashad reached out to me and said, "Hey, I'm. I'm. Would you be available to speak at Reality?" I said, "Absolutely!" And I got really excited because I'm like, "I think I have a word for this church." Um, and then he's like, "Okay, so we're doing the Psalms of his set." I'm like, oh, "Okay," but don't you worry. As I was studying, the Lord has a way of bridging of bridging things together. Um, the the Lord put on my heart the story of Lazarus, and. Uh, In John 11, I'm just going to set the scene right now. um, John is actually an immaculate book. If you haven't sat in the book of John, I would encourage you to do that, to read it. John um, is paralleling Exodus in this gospel, which is a little bananas, but that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. We're not going to talk about that. But he is capsulizing um, the works of Jesus with this moment. With Lazarus being raised from the dead. Um, but what I find so interesting in this is how Jesus is on a pilgrimage of his own during this chapter. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And on his way to Jerusalem, the friends whom he loves very much are in trouble. And so he stops. So we're gonna pick up in verse 17. And it says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. So he's two miles away from from where his pilgrimage is about to end, because Passover is coming. And many of the Jews had come, Martha and Mary, to console them uh, concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So we're going to skip down to verse 28. When she, Martha, had said that she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. So Mary is in the house, and she is not meeting Jesus because she's heartbroken. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying. We're gonna stop right there. Friends, in the magnification of trouble, God can be found. But I will tell you what always accompanies trouble, doubt. And as Eugene Peterson is beckoning us to lean into trouble, I feel like the first greeter at the door is doubt. We see Martha and we see Mary and we see the crowd saying one thing to Jesus as he appears on the scene of Lazarus' death. Lord, if you would have been here, our brother would not have died. And I feel like that statement encapsulates where our pilgrimage usually stops. It's where we say, you know what? I can't. This trouble is too big for you, God. And you know what Jesus does? He weeps. He doesn't flip a table and get frustrated at their doubt. He doesn't say, Look at me. Hello. Have more faith. Jesus sits in their grief and he cries. The Son of God is inconsolable. Friends, trouble leads us to a tomb. And it leads us, and it leads us bound. And Jesus enters into the scene. And he enters into the scene, and he enters into the doubt, deep in the question, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. See, for us pilgrims, the worst case scenario is death. The worst-case scenario is betrayal. The worst-case scenario is abandonment. But Jesus. What I love about this is that in each of these iterations, Jesus shows up and is faithful. We're going to go back to chapter 11 We're going to go to verse 22. And this is Jesus and Martha speaking. Martha says, I'm going to say it one more time. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. Into the world. Verse 8 of Psalm 124 God's strong name is our help, the same God who made heaven and earth. I am. He is beginning to uncover, at the worst case scenario for any pilgrim, death, life, resurrection. See, this was the first resurrection. It was Martha. She was the first one to acknowledge who Jesus was. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again. Eugene Peterson in the message says Jesus was angry. (laughs) He's angry. At the brokenness of this world came to the tomb it was a cave and a stone lay against it jesus said take away the stone martha the sister of the dead man said to him lord by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days jesus said to her did i not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of god so they took away the stone jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth, with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Trouble will always make us believe that the worst case scenario is actually not the worst case scenario. What we witness in this chapter and in the verses that we just read together is a foreshadowing of what Jesus, of what his pilgrimage was taking him to death, a tomb, being bound. A violent and angry crowd yelling, Crucify him. The betrayal of his 12 closest friends, including the friends that he just radically changed. Abandonment as everyone leaves him. Jesus' pilgrimage leads him to a place that is desolate and lonely, where death awaits him. But this is a death that is very different than anything we will ever experience. Because not even God was present upon Jesus at the cross. He turned his face to his son. And what I can't help but to think, this anguish of Psalm 124, that this that David is writing and authoring, this is what God has saved us from. Jesus all too well is probably reciting these very words as he's on his way to Jerusalem. But that's not where our story ends. Thanks be to God. Because three days later, Jesus rose. And what I can't help... But to think and to get excited about is that as we pilgrim and as we journey, we don't do this alone. What I love about what happens after Jesus calls out the name of Lazarus and Lazarus comes out, what does he do? The community around him, what does he tell them to do? Unbind him. Friends, it takes the name of Jesus to call us from death to life but it takes a community of people to set us free. And as we pilgrim, we don't pilgrim alone. We pilgrim with those that are sitting right next to you in this very room, those that um, aren't here, but um, are afar. but you are connected through the body of Christ. And so my hope and my prayer is that we wouldn't stop at doubt is that we wouldn't stop at trouble, but that we would trust in the name of the Lord our God, and that it is through his name, the name of Jesus, who knows your name, that in those moments where you feel like this is it, (laughs) we're done, that you would hear, hey, Austin, come out that you would hear, hey, Sarah, come out. And there you would find a familiar voice of resurrection, of restoration, and of peace. And that through that, you would find the joy of heaven. I would, you know, I I would love to say that... Um, Heaven is our destination, but I think it's more like resurrection. And know that no matter what trouble, can I just say this? I don't know what it took most of you to walk through that door this afternoon. As someone who does church, and I say this, I, I, this might sound terrible for me to say for a living, okay? I forget how hard it is sometimes to walk through that door and to be here, and to sit with other people with the weight of trouble or worry or anxiety. But I want to tell you something right now. I am is here, and he wants to meet you in your trouble, and he wants to meet you in your doubt. Don't stop. Don't stop walking. So as we close, I'm going to leave you with Eugene's words. Psalm 124 is an instance of a person who digs deeply into the trouble and finds there the presence of God who is on our side. As we go into a time of silence, as we go into a time of examination and reflection, I want you to bring some of those things that you might have worked really hard to not feel or to acknowledge, and I want you to bring them before the Lord in the quietness of your seat and in this room. I'm going to pray for us as we go into our silent time.